Welcome to the Plant Spirit Podcast on connecting with plant consciousness and the healing wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Sarah Artemisia, and I am deeply honored to introduce our next guest to the show today. Keoni Hanale is a culturalist, alchemist, and descendant of the Mu people who are the inhabitants of Papahanaumokuakea, which are the Northeastern Hawaiian Islands before the migration of the Polynesians. He comes through the lineage of Kawike Onalani on his maternal grandmother's line and Mahat on his maternal grandfather's line. And he comes from a long line of healers, mystics, fishermen, navigators, and farmers embedded in ike, or knowledge. Keoni works closely with Ehu Ehu, or fern medicine and emotional intelligence. And he is the founder of Pohala Hawaiian Botanicals, based in Maui and Kauai in the Hawaiian Islands. He also works with ancient meditative and movement practices, such as ulu, which incites cellular memory, DNA activation, and the comprehension of familial wisdom through the reading of the nervous system and DNA. So Keoni, thank you so much for joining us here. It is such an honor to be with you here today. And I am really excited for our conversation about our mutual love of plants and the earth and life. (laughs) Yes, all of that, Sarah. I am super, super grateful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to go into this conversation with you. And Sarah, your Hawaiian is superb. You know, we believe that our language is nane or a riddle. We believe our language is a riddle. And so you cracked that riddle, girl. (laughs) Well, that is a huge honor. Thank you so much for sharing that. Amazing, amazing. And yeah, there is so much I am so excited to connect with you today about. And one of those is about Pohala. So clearly your life's work is so connected with Pohala. So could you tell us a bit about this? What does Pohala mean and why is it so important at this time? Yes, thank you so much. And yes, Pohala feels like my kiakahi, my purpose. And it's really the umbrella to which uh, everything that I offer comes from and pohala means to recover consciousness to wake from stupor and uh more specifically just to remove ourselves from amnesia and so everything that i share under the, this umbrella called pohala is really uh in service to our community to our brothers and our sisters to humanity itself to come out of that isolation of amnesia and simply begin to just share our knowledge yeah So important. And one of those ways that you do that so beautifully is really bringing forward this knowledge of your lineage in your work with the plants. And I know that one of the ways that you work with plant medicine so deeply is through this this direct lineage where plants are gathered and honored in ceremony and in connection with the moon phases. And this aspect of being in relationship with the plants as we make medicine feels so key to me. It feels so, so key. And I would love if you're open to sharing, could you tell us a bit more about the protocols of 
plant medicine collaboration. Oh my gosh, it'd be an honor. Thank you so much for asking that. You know, we have something in the Hawaiian culture called mana, and mana is life force. And of course, human beings aren't the only ones who possess this mana. The plant world uh, certainly possesses mana. And so when there's a collaboration with the plant world, what we're doing ultimately is we're also transferring and extracting that mana. And that's why everything in the protocol of plant medicine, the harvesting, the extraction, the distribution, we get to ensure that we are upholding that manna so that the plant is alive, so that its knowledge is alive, its knowledge is transferable. And what's so great about plant world and human beings is that we're both organic. And so we already complement one another in that sense where we're relatable. And so when the plant world, when it's manna is preserved and then transferred to us, we automatically and intuitively understand that imprinting, that coding. And that's why every process of plant medicine must be done in a ceremony because we are upholding the plant's manna. Yeah, I really feel that in my own way, just so deeply, this, this direct transmission that we can receive from the plants when we are open to it and going in in a good way of, of being in right relationship. And I know one of the main ways that one of the main realms of, of the plant world that you work with is the pua'a ehu ehu or fern medicine and emotional intelligence. And so I was curious if you could tell us more about this and particularly because you are so deeply connected with the ferns, what messages have you been hearing from them? What healing gifts do they really want to bring forward in this time? Ah, oh, my goodness. Yes. So pua'a ehu ehu is fern medicine. And this is a medicine that has been handed down in my own lineage, which spans 1,017 generations. And the name that you uttered in the introduction, Mahat, Mahat lived in 18,000 BC. That's 20,000 years ago. And this is a medicine that Mahat has transferred through our lineage, making pua'a ehu ehu one of the oldest plant medicines on the planet. And Pua'ehu'ehu is all about emotional intelligence. Now, why is that so significant for us as human beings? Because we are experiencing an electrical experience. Emotions is very electrical. It's the stimulus and the stimulant of who and what we are and how we perceive this phenomenal animate world. It's electrifying. And our emotions are the stimulant of this electricity. We can even go further into the esoteric realms and there's something called Fohat. And Fohat is the animating principle of all life in an animate world. And that's really uh, something that Pua'ehu Ehu Fern Medicine upholds and reveres is this animating principle and emotions are the stimulus to that. Now in our culture and um, which has been handed down in my lineage, there are currently, and I say currently because nothing's fixed, right? We know that now. <laughs> there are currently 103 native Hawaiian ferns that correlate to 103 human emotions. And so it's about really uh, approaching an emotional experience, an emotional stimulus and stimulant, and understanding really what its function is. 
Every single emotion, because it's electrical, has a very specific function. And so we go through all these emotions, 103, and it's as if we're indoctrinating ourselves into the emotional experience, which means we can arrive at something known as homeostasis. That's when the nervous system, that's when the spiritual aspects of everything really relaxes into homeostasis. And that's what we call the whole human. And once we attain what is known as the whole human, then we can, in the language, we say hala, which is ascend. Now, I want to share uh, this about ferns, why ferns are so unique and why ferns have volunteered, keyword volunteered for this, is because ferns are the only known species on our planet to have attained evolutionary stasis. Evolutionary stasis is super significant because what this means is something has reached its evolutionary ceiling, meaning it's complete. When something is complete, it's no longer required to accumulate data. Now, you and I as human beings, we're in an evolutionary process right now. So we're accumulating a lot of data, whether that data is honest is questionable. So we're accumulating a lot of potentially corruptive things that deter us from our hala, from our ascension. However, the ferns, because they've experienced evolutionary stasis, they cannot become corrupted. So the codes that they hold is completely pure. They're in their innocence. And innocence is that gateway, that portal to what we know as some know as God energy, uh, source energy, the nucleus, a uh, light energy. And so what the ferns are doing is they're reminding us of that, of our access and our birthright to harness and to extract that. So it's no longer a sense of accumulating data. It's more so about what kind of data we want to express now. And in the ancient language, we call this the makadas or the great reversal and this is even indicative with the energy of Aquarius. And we are in the threshold and approaching the age of Aquarius, which is all about leadership. And Pisces, the age of Pisces, the beautiful thing about Pisces, and this is why it also had a lot to do with plant medicine, is because Pisces is about reverence. It's about reverence. However, all too quickly, reverence turns into subordination and worship. And so as we approach Aquarius, Aquarius is reminding all of us that we can be leaders and that there are things that we get to share and proliferate rather than accumulate. Yes, and how the ferns, it sounds like, do this in such a humble way of, of service, how they show us how to be leaders in this humble way of service. And we were talking earlier about how Plants show us this blueprint, these blueprint, this blueprint way of being. And I have never personally heard that about ferns before, how they are in uh, an evolutionary state of stasis, which to me is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. It's absolutely amazing. And in your experience with ferns, what, what do they tell us about coming into balance and homeostasis on the planet at this time? Like, is there anything that you have heard directly from the ferns about how we as humans in this confusing, chaotic, incredibly tumultuous time that we're in planetarily, how can we access that frequency or wavelength of homeostasis? Is it, I mean, a question, is it as simple as directly communing with the ferns is it okay connect with the ferns directly and they will show you kind of a thing or are there other messages that you've heard from them 
Wow. Brilliant question, Sarah. And this is something that's so simple that it goes over so many people's head. And this is not just what ferns have taught me, but this is what all plant life has taught me is something known as presence. Presence. And even when I approach the plant kingdom and I am opening up the dialogue for collaboration, you know, oftentimes it's like, wow, you, you give us the materials for medicine. You give us the materials for shelter. You give us the materials for even glamour, <laughs> right? And what would you like in return? That's the big question, perhaps that not many are asking because it's about exploitation, not service. And the response I get from ferns, from all plant life is recognition, just recognition, recognize me. And this requires us to be in presence. We must be in presence. And presence means that we're in homeostasis ourselves. You know, their, their experience of evolutionary stasis doesn't have to culminate to millions and millions of years of trial and error. Uh, homeostasis can occur when you and I know how to fuse and collide quantum and linear, and that's called presence. You know, what's so interesting and so and so mysterious and just like really, really just far out about presence is that it cannot be measured and it cannot be located. And that's where we can harness all those magical power because we think it's unreal. But it's within our presence that we can harness all things because they're not governed by the fixed aspects, which we feel are more interesting than the magic itself. So interesting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. So amazing. And just that aspect of what you were just sharing, how they, they're just asking for recognition. They're asking for acknowledgement and how similar that is to the human relationships where when we think about our human relationships, what relationships are really thriving are the ones that we show up for fully and that the plants are just like this. And I have heard, interestingly, specifically from Nettle, more at, from the plant realm at large that just like in our relationships with people, if we are not in relationship and acknowledging them, they will go away. They will go away. And so this is why it is not only incredibly joyful, but important to be actively connected and acknowledging them, saying, I see you in whatever way that we do that in our own ways. And yeah. I'm curious for folks out there who are interested in connecting directly with ferns, are there any simple practices or anything that you'd recommend for someone who's really interested in connecting directly with ferns? Yes. In fact, if you go on my website, pohala.net, there's a link on my website that says medicine as a ceremony. And this offers a practical guide, a suggestion on how to communicate with the plants. And step number one is a step that is, I rarely hear people honor this step. Step number one is introduce yourself. You know, I, I always tell people I'm the crazy guy in Whole Foods or down to earth or one of the, the uh, stores of supplements. I'm holding maybe a medicinal tincture and I have it at the back of my head and I'm like in a little trance because I'm introducing myself. My name is Keone. The purpose of me making contact with you. I'm that guy. It's okay. <laughs> but introduce yourself because it's offensive 
it's offensive to attempt to extract something, whether that be knowledge or healing powers from something without first introducing yourself. If, if you're not introducing yourself, there's no intimacy. And this is why I say that uh, many people must re resort to synthetic medicine because organic medicine is not effective because they're not honoring the first step. And so the medicine doesn't have consent to calibrate you. Consent comes by way, it's very fair, and this is even rational. Consent comes by way of simply exposing oneself. And so that is the, the best way that you can approach pua ehu ehu fern medicine. Any plant, spend some time with simply just sharing who you are. And you can even go a little further. You can treat it, this dialogue as if it's, it's a practitioner. And you're sharing your history and be completely exposed. And then the second is really important. It's remain present for the response, right? We may be able to share, right? But then we may be arrogant where we're not going to wait for a response, regardless of how uncomfortable that response is. So just be present for that response. What's going to happen is you're going to fine tune this this dialogue, you're going to be able to speak that language, and it's a sensational language. It is a sensational language. And this, for me, is even how telepathy works. And telepathy, I feel it in my nervous system. They're like pings. And then I, based upon that sensation, I can translate it into a spoken language if I so choose to. Why would I say if I so choose to? Well, if I need to transfer that to someone else. Otherwise, it's really not necessary to translate it in a spoken language. Yeah, I, that, uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. The, there's so many things in what you just shared there. First, that aspect of consent, so important. I mean, if you think about approaching another person, you wouldn't just approach another person and say, what are you good for? <laughs> or, like, or like, I'm going to tell you what you're good for, and then I'm going to take it. It's like, that's so weird. Why would you do that with another person? And so it's the same exact way with the plants. And so I love that you brought that up, that intro introduction, introducing hello. My name is Sarah, you know, thank you for being here. Just to, that could be that simple. And then the other thing that you just shared that's so important is how plant, the way that plants communicate is often in a nonlinear way. So oftentimes we're waiting, especially if this may be the beginning of, of a, an experience of connecting with a plant or being open to receiving plant language. Oftentimes there can be this experience of an expectation that maybe they'll communicate in our own written language, like English, for example, for me, like maybe I'd expect them to communicate in English. And that's not often the way of the plants because they're communicating in what I experience as a much more spherical way. And so that could come through in different, like you said, sensational ways, different somatic sensations or different, different ways. And so just how important it is to have that defocalized gaze, that way of being very like in the way of when you're walking, you notice something out of your periphery happening. It's like having peripheral vision in your whole being to be like, what's also happening here simultaneously and how powerful that is when it's so powerful when working with plants, because we can receive so much information when we orient to them in that way. Mm. So, yeah. And so because you, you do work so closely with the ferns, I'm curious, is there any particular fern that you've been hearing or feeling coming forward to support the collective right now over the past couple months, couple years, time that we're in right now? Yeah, there is, you know, every, every 
cycle, <clears throat> every rotation of this planet and ours in the Hawaiian culture begins somewhere in October, November to March, perhaps. But um, every cycle, there's a fern that is very loud. And, and it becomes very loud for that particular cycle because it's what the uh, collective is most ripe for. Or, or, or It's an energetic match for the collective. And that's another example of how fair they are. You know, they don't impose themselves and say, like, I want to show up because I want to show up, right? They scan and read a collective. And they say, this is both, this is most supportive and nourishing for the entire ecosystem right now. And uh, this year, this cycle is something a fern called Kalamoho Lauli'i. And Kalamoho Lauli'i is the fern of innovation. Innovation. Now, innovation can seem almost very mechanical. And if we attempt to translate it by popular mechanics or even go into the dictionary, it seems almost very mechanical, pragmatic, bureaucratic, all of that. But innovation uh, in its poetic aspect, because we get to translate all things first and foremost poetically and then analytically. That's you resourcing the heart first. And when we uh, translate innovation poetically, it's how are you translating the energy of God? How are you translating the energy of source? And we can look at the collective right now. We can see something that's very loud is called war. And so then now we question ourselves, is that really how we translate God energy? Not for me, not for me. And so perhaps I can make corrections to my own innovations. And so this is what Kalamoho is teaching us. And in a very fair and gentle way of saying, just observe what you're creating. What are the results of your day? At the end of the day, what have you created as a form, a structure, as a language? What has been spoken? What has been offered? Is that really your translation of source energy? If not, then tomorrow make a correction. And so innovation as an emotion is all about how we're translating Interesting. I love that. Very Aquarian too. Totally. <laughs> so good. So good. So switching gears here a little bit, but of course it's all connected. I know that energetic androgyny is something that you also work closely with. So could you tell us a little bit more about this, this energetic androgyny and how is it connected with healing? Most certainly. Thank you, Sarah. And the plants teach us this as well. And especially ferns, because ferns uh, reproduce by way of spores. They're asexual. So every part of a fern is androgynous. And so they exemplify this beautifully and the message of androgyny. And I want to uh, share it like this. We all um, have been blessed in a world of contrast. And that's what 3D is. 3D is a world of contrast. Now, just think of how fun that is. It, we're in a playground. Right. If we're in competition, if we feel suspicious, that couldn't be, be threatening. But ultimately, it's a playground because we have access to any and all resources imaginable. My kupuna, my elders always said being here is like in Willy Wonka getting the golden ticket. And, and I love that the way they, they shared this, too. They said, you know, uh, star beings made the greatest sacrifice to be here, and that's to be in time recognition. We all made that agreement so we could be here and play with the structures, the elements, the forms in this beautiful playground. So androgyny has these two aspects, okay? And we're, and we're going to bring them back into the homeostasis. 
Androgyny is comprised of a noun. There's a noun. And we can even feel the noun as our internal feminine. And the noun is who we are, what we are. It's the foundation of what and who we are. It's our knowing. That's why it's the access point to quantum. It's the blueprint. There's no confusion when you're in your noun. And then the other aspect of androgyny is something known as the verb. The verb. It's the action. It's the efforts. And we can feel that as our internal masculine. And so when the noun and the verb are in right relation, we come into androgyny. And I want to share it like this. My, uh, my kupuna, uh, my elders who raised me, I was raised by a, a coven of elder women. And they are the ones who taught me how to be a man because what they did was they lived in androgyny in so that they simply responded to whatever their immediate environment required of them. There were no roles that they had to fulfill. There was no plain favorites. They were in their androgyny because they simply responded to whatever their immediate environment required of them. That's called presence. Beautiful. For people who are unfamiliar with this word androgyny too, how would you, how would you define it? It's a, it's a pretty interesting topic, uh, and it can be quite controversial right now. But androgyny means that I don't play favorites with my energy. I don't identify with an energy in so that the whole of me is either a neglect and something else is an overwhelm. I am resourcing every aspect of my grid and simply showing up to whatever my immediate environment requires and requests of me. Amazing. I hear so much in that it's an honoring of the whole, an honoring of the whole self. Yes, yes. That's how important and, that is. And that's what the plant world does, not just the plant world, but the animal kingdom. And the human beings, you know, we are our free will sort of went haywire. And so we get to neutralize that by, and you use a word that was really beautiful, which is humble, humble ourselves, but we're humbling ourselves into presence, not into subordination. We still get to be as, as electrifying as we so choose, as long as it coincides with the primary law of life, which is first do no harm. First do no harm. The best way to locate and discern what is nourishing and what is harmful is something my kupuna, my elders taught. And they would just observe me. They would observe me to do whatever. They would, they would not say yes or no. They would observe me. And then after an event, after I said something, after I did something, then they would come to me and they would say, Keoni, how did that make you feel? And based upon my response is perhaps where I conclude if it's nourishing or harmful. That's how we properly and responsibly code ourselves. We're not imitating the codes of others. We're experiencing that coding. Therefore, we can trust that coding and we feel safe in that coding. Yeah, that safety piece, that, that acknowledgement and awareness of even what the self is experiencing is so important. It's another, it's so key. It's so key as we move forward, as we navigate right now. So yeah, well, <laughs> I feel like we could talk for hours and clearly you are so connected with the plants. And I'm curious, how would you say that the plants really support you in your life's work? Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, the plants have reunited me with Kiyokahi, 
my purpose, and I'm forever grateful. You know, I, I came from a checkered past. I was an addict. I, I was incarcerated. I was a criminal, all because I chose to look away. I chose to not be present. And when I felt that things that I've done and the person that I have been is unforgivable, the plants opened up their arms and they said, let us guide you back into your homeostasis. Let us guide you back into your kiyokahi. There is nothing you have ever done to make us love you less. There's nothing you can ever do to disqualify you of love. And that is what the plant world taught me. And I just want to share to broaden this for uh, a message to all of humanity is uh, during the time of that agony that I was experiencing and the isolation that I chose because of that agony, I went into the forest. It, it was it, it, it was just automatic for me to go into the forest and hold counsel. And I had a plea with the forest. And I said, how can you stand us? Look at the agony that we don't just create, but we allow. And not just inflict it on the self. Look at what we're doing to our communities and look what we're doing to our planet. And then whoever, who knows what's next, what, look what we do to our cosmos. And so I just uttered that and something peculiar happened. <laughs> we want to talk about the poetry of telepathy. Something peculiar happened. A bee landed on my ankle, stung me, and then a wind out of nowhere pushed me back. And as I went back, my hand was in the grove of a root, like another hand. And so that tree was holding my hand. And because of the bee sting, because of what happened, the message was very clear. It said, if we wanted to, we would destroy you. But we have so much faith in you, and we love you. Yeah, I really feel that from the plant realm. That is a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And how beautifully that illustrates the unconditional love that we, that the plants are continuously giving us. They love us so much. The plants love us so much. And it is so special to be here with them at this time. I mean, clear this whole podcast is an entire celebration of that, just how beautiful and amazing that is. And so Kayoni, clearly your work is so powerful in this world. And so tell us, how can people find out more about you and your work? Yes. My website is pohala.net and pohala is spelled P-O-H-A-L-A.net. And uh, on the website, you'll not only have access to an apothecary, I have an online store where I actually cultivate and help to uh, proliferate the messages of not just ferns, but other botanicals as well. And you also have access on that website for virtual online workshops that I hold monthly. Um, one in particular is called the Emotional Series, where we focus on a specific fern and a specific emotion. And as a collective, as a community, we just share what does that emotion mean to us? How is that emotion nourishing to us? How has it supported us? How has this emotion perhaps prevented us? from being our greatest potential. So we are really realistic about the integration and the understanding of emotions. And um, there's also on the website, just access to so many other things that I offer. I also do a community mentorship where uh, it's a three month program, virtual program, where uh, we're focused mainly on what you were referring or inquiring about, which is androgyny. So we spend a month just really integrating and understanding what does it mean to have feminine energy? 
And then another month, what does it mean to have masculine energy? And then what does it mean when those are in right relation and we're in Jajini? And so I also offer that. That's a cycle that I do yearly. So I invite uh, everyone to just come and explore and see if anything resonates. Amazing. Well, Kaoni, thank you so much for joining us today. Such an honor to have you here and, and connect. And uh, so grateful for the work that you do with with our plant elders on this planet and your direct open connection with your lineage of healing. Thank you. So grateful. Mahalo. Thank you, Sarah, Artemisia. And if I may just part with a saying, a proverb in Hawaiian, and that is, and it means plants are the essential thing. And thanks so much for listening and joining us today on the Plant Spirit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and please follow to subscribe, leave a review, and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.